Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, who loves us with a transforming love, from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, and from the Spirit who unites us all. Amen. I learned a story, or I learned about somebody. I want to tell you about it. It was in September of 1939 when Madeline Hooten took the step, the first step, to become a religious sister. You see, from a really young age, Madeline was always seeking ways to be faithful to Jesus. And so it would be in the writings of Charles de Foucauld, the founder of the Little Brothers of Jesus, that would take her from Paris to French Algeria, where among the nomadic people, she would realize her calling, which was to live among people and be the presence of Jesus. When she was, took that first step to be a religious sister, she took on the name Little Sister Magdalene of Jesus. And then in October, she found the first community of, and hold on because I'm going to try and speak French, Les Petites Sous de Jésus, or, that's the last time I'm going to do that, by the way, um, the Little Sisters of Jesus, who were on the outskirts of a town in Algeria. And the name Little Sisters was adopted out of a sense of um, humility and vulnerability, just as the baby Jesus was humble and vulnerable. It was the life of Jesus of Nazareth that would be the Little Sisters' guiding light, their song as they journeyed among the people. In August of 1940, Magdalene went, returned to France to spread the word about the work she and her community were doing with the nomads that they had lived among. And she wanted to show people what faith could do in the life of one person. It must be faith, she said, capable of moving mountains, incorporating the strongest belief in Brother Charles's guiding principle, Jesus is the Lord of the impossible. Well, you can imagine in France, in 1940, in the shadow of occupation and war, that these words resonated with people. So much would have seemed impossible in that moment. So soon, young women from all over wanted to join her community. And so they were taught the way of a contemplative life, not cloistered away from the world, but in fact at the very heart of the world. It would be six years before the full vision of what the little sisters of Jesus were meant to be that would become clear. Magdalene was convinced by that time that the community of the little sisters should extend to every country among the people working alongside them in factories, on farms, at fairgrounds and circuses with shepherds and travelers. In other words, they were to live alongside in friendship and solidarity following Jesus of Nazareth. They saw themselves as a bridge between all classes, races, and religions. They were helping people learn to live with the other, to love with greater love, and to do away with all hatred and enmity. And they did all of this because Jesus was one who lived and worked with fishermen and tax collectors, the poor and the hungry, tradespeople, and was, in fact, a carpenter. They did this because Jesus walked among the people offering healing and wholeness, which is what this story in Luke tells us about and is such a perfect example of. 
You see, the word of Jesus, the Na- Jesus of Nazareth had gotten around. Something was different about him. His teaching inspired people, and his healing the sick brought wholeness to communities. So many people wanted to see him that the crowds would press in on him. Scholars estimate that a majority of the population of the Galilee region was on that level place that day. So many seeking healing and wholeness. So many yearning to hear the words of wisdom that Jesus had to say. And what does Jesus do? Jesus meets them right where they're at. And all who are healed and all were made whole who needed it. It is said that there was so much power in him that it was just flowing off of him and that simply touching him or his clothes would actually heal you. Once all were healed, only after all were healed, Jesus begins teaching. And he says, blessed are you, which, friends, in the Greek means all y'all. So blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what the ancestors did to the prophets." It was such a word of hope uttered to everyone present. And I imagine that if you were in the middle of that crowd, you would have felt a collective deep sigh and a relaxingness of the shoulders as the power of those words came to you as powerfully as that healing did. Because you know life is hard right now. And the struggle was and is indeed real. And Jesus has just named the reality of your life. And in the simple naming, there is power because you are seen and understood and hope is given that the present suffering won't last. Then Jesus follows those words of hope and promise with these words. But woe to you, again meaning all y'all, who are rich, for you have received your consolation. And woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. And woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. Friends, what kind of word is this? Is this hope? Is it condemnation? Is it both? I imagine that if you were in the middle of that crowd, you would have felt a collective intake of breath and a tensing of the shoulders as the people absorbed the power of these words as much as they did the restoration to wholeness they had received. And I am sure they were asking the same question we're asking ourselves. Is he talking to me? God bless Luke, but he is not giving us any of the wiggle room that Matthew does. Because remember, Luke is particularly interested in making sure that we know that Jesus, the Messiah, is good news for all people and all of creation. 
Luke's gospel is being told to a mixed audience made up of Gentiles and Jews, rich and poor. And the temple, the key to Jewish identity, the place where Jesus would often go to teach, has been destroyed. Followers of Jesus are trying to figure out who to be in the light of all that has happened. And Luke is telling us the story of Jesus so that they can figure it out. Which is why Luke tends to be more clear in his language than Matthew. Where Matthew is vague in his language about who, saying, blessed are those, Luke is very specific. Blessed are all y'all. Blessed is everyone. And where Matthew will make the blessings more vague, like blessed are the poor in spirit, a phrase theologians have been trying to figure out since it was first uttered, Luke is super clear. Blessed are the poor. Period. And these words are for everyone who is gathered. And they are not prescriptive, scholar Debbie Thomas points out. Nowhere in his litany of blessings and woes does Jesus actually tell his listeners how to behave. And these words are not some sort of sorting exercise, as in blessed, good, over there, and woeful, bad, over here. Here in this moment, Jesus looks out on the crowd of folk he has just spent time healing and making whole. And as Barbara Brown Taylor puts it, tells the truth about the way things work. Jesus looks out at the crowd and names our human experience that sometimes we are the blessed ones and sometimes we are the woeful ones. And Jesus here isn't talking about the blessed being the ones that are prosperous and the woeful ones are being the ones who are poor. Jesus turns that upside down and by doing that makes us stop and think about where we find ourselves and there, on that flat plain, Jesus makes us all equal. Jesus makes rough places smooth. In this moment, Jesus reminds us all that we are on one level playing field, that God is our God, whether we're being comforted, blessed are all y'all who are poor, for yours is the kingdom, or we're being challenged, woe are all y'all who are rich, for you have received your consolation. So what do we do with this? All of us here occupying this great plane of Jesus's in our broken yet beautiful world. Do we push aside Jesus's words as not pertaining to us? Do we try to make the words more vague and thus we claim the blessing and ignore the woes? Or do we allow the Spirit to work in us as we sit a little while with these words of Luke? To be honest, I'd rather do one of the first two, but I know deep in my soul that that is not the faithful response to this reading. Debbie Thomas suggests that maybe our calling in this gospel is to accept the tensions and complexities of this startling both and. And maybe our task is to resist our own defensiveness, to overcome our fear of leaning into God's blessings, which, remember, are completely opposite of what the world says, 
or to humble ourselves beneath God's woes, to empty ourselves if we find ourselves full, or to trust in God's abundance when we are empty. The little sisters are examples of what this leaning in and humbling are. They bravely went to those places where they knew God's love was needed and walked alongside the people living by example, a life grounded and flourishing in Jesus's example. They regularly emptied themselves of the things that would turn them away from God so that they could more fully know God. And they regularly reminded themselves when they were empty and tired, hungry or scared of God's mercy and kindness. In their blessings and in their woes, they trusted God. For the little sisters, Jesus was the beginning and the ending for them, no matter where they found themselves. But what does it mean to live a contemplative life? Well, it's a life grounded in prayer and study, worship and service. And when we do that, it's easier to live a life for others, to live a life as Jesus models. The same is for us. Where do you find yourself right now? Are you poor or hungry or persecuted? Well, God is your trust. Jesus is your way as you remember the abundance of God's love and the promise that hope comes in the morning. Are you rich, full, beloved? Well, God is your trust. Jesus is your way as you seek to empty yourself and follow Jesus in walking alongside those whom we are called to love. And we can do that because, dear friends, Jesus stood there among the people, power filling his being, overflowing onto the people, and he offered wholeness and healing. And through his death and resurrection, we now have access to that power. It flows over us and through us and calls us to walk alongside each other as we seek to build the kingdom of God right here in Onalaska, Wisconsin. And that access comes through prayer and study, worship and service. In these things, we are reminded of God's comfort and we're challenged by God's call. It didn't escape my notice that Lent is coming in a few weeks. Lent is a time to examine our lives and reorient ourselves to God. Or in light of this story, we can say that Lent is a time to ponder these blessings and woes of Jesus's. I encourage you to do that very thing, to remind yourself of the fullness of God's love, to Find yourself, whether you're in the blessing or the woes category, and ask God for God's help. Perhaps you do that by engaging in a new prayer practice or a Bible study or service. Perhaps you decide to come to worship with this community more often so that you can learn to trust in Jesus and grow and strengthen your faith. The Little Sisters of Jesus wrote the hymn, Lord Jesus, You Shall Be My Song, which we are quite familiar with here at first. And it so perfectly describes how they and we live a contemplative life as we walk and work alongside each other. 
they remind us that no matter where we find ourselves, as ones of the blessed or ones of the woes, Jesus is our song, our life, our peace, and our love. As such, we can be the servants of God we are called to be, bearing whatever burdens we must bear with the strength of Jesus. And when we fear or doubt, we will find our courage when we still our hearts and our minds so that we can hear Jesus' footsteps walking beside us as we continue to make our way. Jesus is my song. Jesus is our song. Jesus is what defines and guides us as we live and work alongside all of God's beloved, following the example of Jesus of Nazareth and making space for everyone in the kingdom of God. Amen.